Good evening, everybody. Say good evening to your neighbor with a smile. Ask them how was work today. Good. And um, so we are continuing in our study of the book of John. Praise the Lord. And um, we'll, as we usually will do, we'll take the, word, the song, Ancient Words, Ever True, because of the wordings of the song, and as we approach God's word, we, we trust that God will impart us with his word. Holy words, long preserved for our work in this world. There is sound with God's own heart.
so shall it be in Jesus mighty name so we take the concluding part of chapter 3 that we started the last time in part 5 and that will be our part 6 we um, I was tempted for us to dive into chapter 4 because there's so much like so much juice in there and obviously the word of God but again one of um, the things um, in my introspection and evaluation of last year and that we want to improve upon this year is is that last year it was as if we were overloading content and teaching and we're excited to be overly so this year we're going to pace things and and um, not reduce content but not overload it either just have the right mix praise the name of the lord okay <clears throat> so to open it up um, is the question, how was the Christmas and New Year break? <laughs> how was the break? How was the break with you? How's, how's the Christmas and New Year break? Who wants to go? Everybody can answer that question. Some of us travel to the village. Some of us travel to... to out of town, out of the country. We traveled out of the country. Some of us were here. We had a great time. We, we enjoyed the traffic. But the people that have traveled have brought back their traffic. Traffic is coming back. So how was, how was, how was your break? Who wants to go? How was your break? Um, okay, I can't ask anybody. How was your break? Um, one person that traveled and one person that didn't travel. How was your break? Amaka, how was your break? Give her the mic. Did you travel or not? Okay, so you qualify to answer. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> how was your break? I had, um, like, Nine children in my house. Nine. Oh wow. And my break was <laughs> very hectic. <laughs> Praise God. Very hectic. Hectic. Interesting. Interesting. And refreshing. If you had children, I'm sure you had a refreshing time. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, thank you for sharing. Who traveled? Who traveled? Peace, where's peace? Okay, peace, how was your break? <laughs> it was okay. I traveled to see my parents. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, it was... Uh, Did they cook for you? Uh, <laughs> yeah, they cooked. What kind of food was it? Ekban uh, <laughs> kukwa. What is that? Afan. Ekban kukwa. You get food like that? Are you just psyching us? No, it's a food like that. <laughs> it's a food like that. Okay. Ekban <laughs> kukwa. Oh, wow. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. The way, you, the way she sounded, did they cook for you? It's like, wow, why not? I mean, I ate the real food. Uh, okay, thank you for sharing. Uh, praise the name of the Lord. So, I mean, we had a mix of, I mean, experiences in a time off, you know. And some people would consider it hectic. Obviously, ours was refreshing with Akpan Kukwa and, and stuff. I mean, going to, to um, sit on daddy's laps again and put our head on his chest. 
you know. I hope you did that. <laughs> you are too big. John chapter 3. John chapter 3 from verse 22 to 36. John 3 from 22 to 36. It says, Then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time with them there, baptizing people. Now, you know, just as a recap, you know, Jesus had gone from um, Judea to Cana, right? Then he had, are you following his movement? Then he had gone from Cana in Galilee to Jerusalem, where he met, met who? Or who came to see him at night? Nicodemus and, and all that. So, by the time we get into chapter 3, Jesus was leaving Jerusalem. You know, was pretty mobile, you know. Leaving Jerusalem into the Judean countryside and spent some time there baptizing people. Verse 23 says, at this time, John the Baptist was baptizing at Eonon. Eonon near Salim. And Enon just means new springs or new streams. That's what it means. <laughs> Does that sound familiar? Okay. Because there was plenty of water there and people kept coming to him for baptism. This was before John was thrown into prison by Herod. A debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. Because they thought the baptism was just, ceremonial, was just a type of ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of Jordan, of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah is also baptizing people. What does that got to do with the argument? Think about nothing. And everyone is going to him instead of coming to us. John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it to him from heaven. God gives it from heaven. You yourself know how plainly I told you, I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride. And the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater. And I must become less and less. Verse 31. He has come from above. And is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth. And we speak of earthly things. But he has come from heaven. And is greater than anyone else. It testifies about what he has seen and heard. 
But how few believe what he tells them? Anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true. For he is sent by God. He speaks God's words. For God gives him his spirit without limit. The father loves the son, his son, and has put everything into his hands. And anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't believe or obey the son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's judgment. The Lord bless the reading and understanding of his words in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's dive right into it. Verse 22. And if you just oppose that with John 4, just, you know, go forward and come back. Verse 2. John 3.22. Let's start with that. It says, Then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time with them there, baptizing people. But if you read that statement out of context, you would assume that Jesus was doing the baptism. But by the time you get to chapter 4 and read verse 2, it says, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. In fact, another translation says, Jesus himself didn't baptize anyone. But his disciples did. So, question. John baptized but Jesus chose not to baptize and allowed his disciples to baptize. So, why do you think Jesus himself did not baptize anyone? Who wants to go? Why do you think? Yes, sir. Good evening, church. Good evening. Um, John himself had said Jesus Christ was going to baptize with fire. So I think Jesus Christ did not baptize in water to show a difference between the baptism of John, which was unto repentance, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which he was going to effect on his uh, disciples. That is correct. Praise the Lord. But it's not... Yes, that's correct. Anybody else? So, do you, do you understand what he said? So, Jesus wants to be known as the one that baptizes with the Holy Ghost and fire. Because John says the one who is to come, whose sandals I'm not worthy of listening, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. However, Jesus, um, um, so Jesus himself did not baptize with water. However, his disciples under his authority, baptized with water, and he was seen as baptizing with water, but he did not baptize anyone with water. Anybody else? Why do you think Jesus did not baptize with water? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, I think that he, if Jesus baptized, I mean, if he had done that with some people, and the disciples did for some other ones, then 
there could be a tendency that those that were baptized directly by Jesus will feel more superior than the <laughs> ones that were not baptized by Jesus. Absolutely. And also when it Because came, human beings, sorry sir, because human beings will be human beings. Says, ah, uh, who baptized you? Judas. <laughs> you are in trouble. Jesus baptized me. Jesus. <laughs> Good and, I mean, just on the same subject, because right. he was, I mean, he knew he was going to leave, and these are people that are going to be left behind, and right. they have to continue the gospel in that way. Yeah, so he, he, was, he was there, and he, he, he gave credit to their leadership by um, um, letting people know that um, they can baptize people, and it is authentic also. Praise the name of the Lord. So that is also correct. Can you see? different levels of interpretation of the scriptures. The purpose of Bible study is so that you, you are able to engage with scriptures, ask questions, and open your heart, and, and God will lead you, and, and you are going to see so many things in his word. Okay, anybody else? Why do you think? Um, okay, so we take one more at that corner at the back. Why do you think? Um, Praise, praise God. Hallelujah. Good evening, sir. Um, Good evening. I also want to refer to First Corinthians 1, 17, when um, uh, Paul was saying he didn't baptize a lot of people, um, basically because he wanted to um, focus more on teaching. So, coupled with what Coyote has said and Pastor Didi has said, I also can add that Jesus also wanted to be more concerned with teaching of the, of the gospel. So, he let um, his leaders do the baptism. Praise God. Absolutely. Okay, that is also correct. Do you, do you get what he said? Okay. So as we go on and, and we read the book of John, we will be seeing how John is different from the other synoptic gospels. You know the synoptic gospels? What are synoptic gospel? Did you say and John? <laughs> Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptic gospels. So we are going to be showing you, okay, this makes John unique. By the time we get to verse 24, verse 24 says, all this that was narrated by John the Beloved, there are two Johns, John the one that wrote the book, John the Beloved, and John the Baptist, the one he's referring to, that this was before John the Baptist was thrown into prison. And interestingly, John the beloved give, gave, gives an account of Jesus' ministry before the word there's before, before the imprisonment of John the Baptist. The Synoptic Gospels tells what happens after the imprisonment of God. And that makes a whole lot of difference. If you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, they focused on Jesus' ministry after John has been imprisoned. But John, the beloved, is the only one that, that included the part of Jesus' ministry that happened before John was imprisoned. So the next time you read Matthew or Mark, or, or, I mean, you started the new year, many of us are starting Bible in a year, watch out for that. And um, you will see that John is, the book of John is, is pretty adding and completing what was left out by the others. Verse 26 of John 3. Now, this is very interesting. He says, so John's disciple, John the Baptist's disciples, 
came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah. Some disciples of John never accepted Jesus as the Messiah. Some disciples of John was, they were so focused on John that even though John says that is the Messiah, they didn't accept. In fact, at the time of this writing, John the Beloved wrote this book in, in the city of Ephesus. There were still people, even till today, I can't remember their names, I gave their names the last time. Do you remember anybody? Pardon me? Even till today, we, had, we have people that are disciples of John the Baptist. They are following John the Baptist. So, these people were saying, the one you identified as the Messiah is also baptizing people and everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. See what you have done. You are running yourself out of business. And you are taking business away from us. So, the one you identified as the Messiah is baptized. So, the, the, the question is, the disciples of John, the, the Baptist, were visibly upset and they expected John to also be upset. Even though I alluded to a part of it. So, why were they upset? Why were they upset? Anybody else? Anybody who wants, wants to tell us? Okay, anybody, even if you have spoken before, it doesn't matter. Anybody? Why, why were they upset? In engaging with scriptures, you have to ask questions. Sometimes some things look obvious. But when you ask questions, you begin to say, oh, wow. Get answers that is not on the surface. Why were they upset? Who wants to tell us? Yes. Shala, are you raising your hand? Okay. <laughs> Who wants to tell us? Okay, there's a hand at the back, right there. Why were they upset? Good evening. Good evening. Um, I think they were upset because of human reasoning. Um, we want to be exclusive in whatever we are doing. I think that's one reason. And also, when we see other people doing what you know, we think we should be doing, we get angry. Um, the other part is also Jesus' disciples were the ones baptizing. Uh, they, they were not baptizing. So it's like uh, the disciples of the guy you baptized are even the ones baptizing. So, and they're yeah. getting more people. <laughs> yeah, they're getting more people. So, you know, that made them upset, I guess. Right. Right, that's correct. Yes. Keep the hands up until you get a mic. There's a hand there, and there's, there's another hand there. Good evening, sir. Good evening. Okay, so I'm thinking maybe they also saw Jesus, um, Jesus and his disciples as a competition, and maybe they thought that if um, John already said he was mm. the Messiah, he should be on their side, maybe also... Baptizing exactly. Together. I mean, we should we should Do just together. You know, you know, and um, since our God baptized you, you should not go and. Uh, <laughs> so that bit of competition, I'm going to come back to that, and that is big for 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 the kingdom. 
unfortunately, churches see other churches, not all, but some churches see other churches as competition, as taking our members, as, you know, I pray we have enough time to unpack all that. Yes. Praise the Lord. Did I, did I say a hand at the back? Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, I think also that uh, the disciples of John had um, probably begin to bring politics into their affairs. So uh, they were probably already scheming. Okay, John is senior senior pastor. I'm next in, next in line. I'm right. talking, they're already forming like an hierarchy. Right. And all of a sudden, someone comes out of right. nowhere and everybody is not going to him. Right. No, fewer people are coming to them. To, so it was a concern for them. So they started to be political. Yes. Okay. Thank you, sir. Do you understand what they said? Okay, so we take that and that, then we go on. Yes. Um, they were losing fame and popularity. Good evening. Good evening. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Jesus was going up and uh, they were going down. So they were losing fame and popularity. Okay, that was why they were upset. Thank you. Yeah. Good evening once again, church. Yes, good evening. When I started the book of John, one thing I noticed is that a lot of what John was doing was pointing to who Jesus Christ was, was not really concerned with what he was doing. Right. Now, that was a revelation that John had that his disciples did not have. Right. And that gave cause to some of what they were saying. Because right. if you, if when, when they took the issue to John, what John was trying to point them to was to the um, deity of Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ, that he came from above and, and that they shouldn't really be involved with this because what he's saying is something that nobody else can share with them. Absolutely. Okay, so on one hand, so we had their leader, John the Baptist, had the revelation, personal, he that sent me, said to me, upon whom you see this, that is the Messiah. But after he had announced it, shouldn't they catch the revelation? You know, I mean, okay, yeah. But verse 1, it was announcing. Verse chapter 1, it was announcing. Chapter 2, yeah, a bit of chapter 2, not chapter 3. But he has been announcing. And that's why he said, I had, did I tell you before? So this query led John the Baptist to unpack the deity and the supremacy of Christ for his disciples further and for all of us to benefit from. And, you know, that is the next part of our contemplation. In verse 28, John says, You yourselves know how plainly I told you. I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. You see, if you don't know who you are, you won't know who you are not. And if you don't know who you are not, you'll be trying to be who you are not meant to be. John understood that my job is to prepare the way for, you see, that is the fulfillment of John's destiny and is not a failure. We are still driven with competition. Yeah. Okay, I said I was going to mention that. 
that when we don't know who we are, we don't know who we are not supposed to be. So, we try to be who we are not supposed to be because we don't know who we are. So, we have churches that are competing because they don't know who they are. So, we have people that say, oh, they are doing that in that church. Let us to be doing it in our church. I say, no, we are not. I say, why? It's working. But that's not who we are. Praise the name of the Lord. That's, not who, that's just not who we are. I remember years ago, I mean, the, 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 the first place I was, I started pastoring, was a red bricks building. I don't think you can identify it as a red brick building anymore, <laughs> you know, um, going towards, just beside the Zenith Bank in the quarter. And, and we, the, 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 God blessed us, we had ACs hanging everywhere, as in split units. And when we left the place to, to the land, we, we packed up the, the ACs because we, we knew that we were going to use them, you know, have um, a building, so there's no point buying new ACs. So we put them in the store. And every time I drive past that place, I see there's a new church that began to use the building. And, and I looked, there were no ACs. And I, I looked for that, there were fans. And I know that building, that building is hot. There is no circulation of air. So I'm like, how are these people doing it? You know? So I will pass, I will pray for the church. I will go, I will come back, I will pray for the church. And I'm like, ah, time passed, months passed. They didn't have ACs. I said to myself, okay, you have ACs in the store. Your brothers are having fellowship and they are sweating. Does that even make sense? So I called the pastor. I've never met him before. I said, to my guys to, to deliver the, all the aces to him. So they gave him all the aces. And he came to me and he was like, I have never seen anything like this before. You're a pastor and I'm a pastor. Even pastors in our own denomination, the competition is so strong, they can never give me aces. They rather want us to sweat and suffer. But you just gave us everything. <laughs> and I smiled. I said, the, the reason is because you are my brother. We are not competing. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He says, Pastor, do you know this, the, the cost of all these aces? Those, they, were, they were over about 22 aces split. He says, do you know the cost of all these aces? We didn't take a dime from them. We are not saying, we didn't tell them, pay us once more. No, it's not required. So when I saw that he was still struggling, I said he should follow me. So he followed me. I showed him a large piece of land. I said to him that if my church, the church I pastor, has an auditorium as big as this large piece of land, and he says amen. I said, okay, amen. We'll have it one day. <laughs> I, said, I said to him, it will be filled with people. He said, amen. I said, there will still be people out there that need Jesus, and it's only you that can reach them. There are people I can't reach. I'm not deceived. But if I can empower my brother that can reach them, have we not reached them? 
Praise the name of the Lord. We've reached them. The kingdom of God is better off. But you see, unfortunately, it's this doggy dog. You know, say how horrible things about, you know, there are people that have told me, pastors that go on their pulpit, say horrible things about me. You know, they don't even know me. You know? Uh, <laughs> Some pastor came to me and says, oh, uh, why is it that when people go to your church, they don't want to come back? <laughs> I said, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they find God. <laughs> don't you think? You know? I didn't know how to answer him. We have to be different. God's favorite house, we have to be different. We are not in competition with anybody. Our DNA is unique. Our DNA is unique. We are who God has called us to be. We know who we are. Therefore, we know who we are not. So we cannot be trying to be who we are not because we already know who we are. Bring up verse 28 again. You yourselves know why, how plainly I told you I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. You see, there's nothing as good as being comfortable in your skin. There will be only one Messiah, and his name is Jesus. The fact that your son is not Messiah doesn't mean he won't fulfill his destiny. Some people can't even bear the fact that their sons will play a role like John the Baptist and be preparing a way for somebody that is greater than him. They will say to him, your mate, uh, is Jesus not your mate? You are even older than him. How come you are the one being his boy? (laughs) We infuse unhealthy competition into the lives of our children. What if God has just called that boy to carry Jesus' sandals? What if that's his destiny? You pressure him out of his destiny. He becomes miserable, gets on drugs, gives you problems. It's if you begin to allow him to carry Jesus' shoes. <laughs> verse 27, for time, for time. Verse, verse 27 says, John replied, A man cannot receive anything. I'm reading the Amplified Version. I'll put up the Amplified Version of verse 27. A man cannot, a man can, rather, receive nothing. A man can receive nothing. Everybody say nothing. A man can receive nothing. He can claim nothing at all. Unless it was given. It has been granted to him from above, from heaven. There is no other source than the sovereign will of God. A man can receive nothing except it is granted by the sovereign will of heaven. Except it is given to him from above. A man can receive nothing except it is given to him from above. A man can receive nothing. Nothing. Except it is given to him from above. A man Born again or not, a man. The president of Nigeria cannot, could never have been president if it was not granted from above. You see, when you see things the way God sees them, you stop fighting what you have no business fighting. Again, 
it may be A levels to begin to now say, okay, so why do you give us, if let's assume, I, I pray our leaders are great leaders in Jesus' name, but let's assume we have a, a foolish, non entity, docile, dumb leader. Let's assume we don't. We can begin to ask God, why, how come we deserve this kind of a. That's a different thing entirely. But a man can receive nothing except it is granted to him from above. You need to understand that. And there are three implications to that statement. I mean, Jesus, I mean, John the Baptist unpacked this thing beautifully for us. And when you look at that statement, there are three implications. The first implication is look to God as your source. That's the first implication. If you're writing, you can fill in that blank. Look to God and God alone as your source. Because a man can receive nothing except it is granted from above. A man can receive nothing except it is granted from above. So look to God as your source. James 1.7 says, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us. From who? From God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. <laughs> he never changes or casts a shadow, a shifting shadow. That's God. That's the first implication. A man can receive nothing except it is given to him from above. So the first implication is look to God and God alone as your source. Second implication of this is don't be jealous of any man. Don't be jealous of any man. You know, you must have heard me say this before. And I've been saying this for about 12 years now that I've been pastoring. By the grace of God, by the grace of God and grace of God alone, there's no man under heaven that I'm jealous of. Doesn't exist. I'm not jealous of anybody. I didn't say that there's no man under heaven that is better than me. Two different things. There will always be someone better than you in one area. Of course. You are beautiful. There's someone more beautiful that makes your beauty look like rags. I kid you not. You are tall. There's always somebody taller. You are slim. There's always somebody slimmer. You are athletic. You are fast. There's always somebody faster. You are intelligent. There's always somebody more intelligent. Pardon me? (laughs) I I didn't hear what they said. I don't know. You are... Wealthy. There's somebody, somebody, always somebody out there that has one more cent. Or cobble. So the issue of not being jealous is not because you have everything. The issue of not being jealous is because you are secure in your father. In your God. In your maker. You find your security not in what you have, but in who you are. I am a child of the living God. And guess what? If I really want that thing that you have, I will ask the person that gave you, because he's my dad, and he will give me. 
Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> That's how it works. Because if you have something that I have, I'm going to be your friend. I'm going to celebrate with you. Of course I will. Why? Because you attract what you celebrate. You attract what you celebrate. So if somebody has what you have and you're beefing the person, you're repelling the things that you want. If somebody has what you have and you're eyeing the person, you're, you're, um, I become your friend. I want to know what is that thing that makes, uh, how come you are able to attract this kind of thing? You know, I will learn everything I can learn from you. That's how I am. Don't be jealous of any human being. Don't be afraid of anybody. Why? A man can receive nothing except it is given to him from a man can receive nothing. Nothing. Isaiah 51 12 Isaiah 51 12 says I, yes I I'm the one who comforts you. So why are you jealous of a mere human being? You can replace that fear, afraid, with any negative emotion. Why are you afraid? Why are you jealous? Any negative emotion, substitute it, of mere human beings who wither like grass and disappear. Why are you jealous? There's no reason. There's no reason to be jealous. He has more money than you. There's no reason to be jealous. God says, I, yes, I am the one that comforts you. I'm the one. You say that, oh, you have six children, but you see somebody that has 12. And you are jealous. Why? Why? Why are you jealous? <laughs> oh, 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 I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. You see someone that has six. You see some, you have six. You see somebody that has two. You are jealous. <laughs> I know that's what you are thinking. <laughs> I know you are not thinking jealous of twelve. <laughs> I know you are thinking jealous of quality, not quantity. <laughs> I should have stopped at two so that uh, all these good fees I can be enjoying my children and we can be growing together. Why did I go to seven? <laughs> anyway. Whichever way, there's no need to be jealous. <laughs> because a man can receive nothing except it is given to him from. So, which leads to the third implication. So, the third implication is it doesn't make sense to be arrogant. It's, it was, it's just pride doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make sense. I went to a place to, to, to minister, I mean, one of our churches, and, and the pastor, I don't know, for some reason, he feels he needs to um, eulogize me, you know, and he says, oh, this is a man, that this, that that. I mean, I'm like, oh, can you just stop this, you know? And we continue and go on and go on. After a while, I begin to wonder, who is he talking about? Are you sure he's not bringing somebody else up, you know? Oh, let's put us together after my pastor. I'm like, okay, I'm the one. Okay. So I go up and I say something like, let's put our hands together for Jesus, you know. And, and I saw that they were clapping, but not the way I really want. And I stopped them. I said, listen, when, when we say that we are nothing without Jesus, 
It's not a statement of humility. It's a statement of fact. It's a statement of fact. We are not trying to be humble by saying we are nothing without Jesus. We are stating the obvious. We are nothing without Jesus. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. It doesn't make sense to be arrogant because a man can receive nothing except it is given to him from heaven. Nothing, nothing, nothing. So what do you have that you look at and you're, and you're doing like this? This that you don't even know that First Corinthians 7, 4, 7. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, For who makes you different from, an, from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? In other words, if, you, if there was, there's nothing you have that was not given to you, how can you be proud? So I, am, so, I am a product of somebody's grace, somebody's generosity. So, why would, wh- where is arrogance coming from? First Peter 4, 10 says that as God has given each of us the gifts from his great variety, it's talking about spiritual gifts, it can apply to any other, any other gift. It says, we should use this gift to serve one another. What do I have that you don't have? The purpose of what I have that you don't have is so that I can use what I have to serve you. What do you have that Look at your neighbor. Look at your, look at your neighbor. The one you asked about the traffic today. Look at them. Okay. So ask them, what do you have that I don't have? <laughs> okay, okay. I'm not saying you should say it in a competitive way. So I'll say, what do you have that I don't have? You know? No, no, that's not like that. No, 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 no. no, no, no. The, the point is this. Where, where I'm driving out, where, what I'm driving out is this. That thing that you have, that your neighbor doesn't have, the purpose of that thing is so that you can use it to serve the person that doesn't have it. Hallelujah. Think about it. What do you have that other people don't have? You don't know what to do with it. I've just told you. Take it and steward it. Steward it. Serve. Philippians 2.3 says this. says don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. says be humble. Think of others as better than yourself. I, I never consider myself better than anybody else. I just don't. says, but pastor, <laughs> you know, you're better than There are other people in this. I said, but I don't consider myself as better than anybody else. Why? Because there's nothing I have. That was not given to me. So, <laughs> there's no need to be arrogant. If you're arrogant, you just don't know anything. You're displaying foolishness. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, let's go quickly, very quickly now. Verse 30. Verse 30 says, He must become greater and greater. And I must become less and less. This is one of those statements that, you know, again, some people really struggle with, you know. This is John the Baptist. 
everything was going for him, quote unquote. <laughs> Ministry was booming. The military generals were coming to him for baptism. He was even abusing them. You brood of vipers. Snakes. Who told you to come? Yeah, bring your head here. Let me baptize you. That was how John was. He was, I mean, he was not mincing words. And people were trolling and, you know, booming and booming. Yet, John saw someone that didn't have, that only had a few, less, less than 12 people. No, how many people had following Jesus at the time? Practically no, no one. Did have anybody following him? And he says, that guy is greater than me. Who does that? Except someone that knows who they are. Your inability to recognize people greater than you will limit your greatness. Should I say that again? Your inability to recognize people that are greater than you truncates your greatness. Okay, okay, two people, three people. I know your hands are busy writing. <laughs> you know, look, listen, listen. The uh, the glory of stars are different. Like First Corinthians says, I think First Corinthians fifteen or something. One star varies in glory from another, but all stars have glory. Praise the name of the Lord. But one person, people are on different levels of greatness. Can you increase? Yes. But for you to increase, you need to recognize people ahead of you. Jesus gives a parable. Jesus was the, an equalizer. He came to show man that nobody is better than anybody. But Jesus also recognized that, listen, when you go to a party, don't take the front seat. Because somebody greater than you can come. So what is Jesus saying? People are on different levels. When you don't recognize it, they will humble you. They will carry you to the back where you belong. (laughs) Uh, Are you getting this? So, your greatness is tied to the person or persons for whom you must decrease. Mm. I think we, we can close here, take that statement, go home, and just begin to wrestle with it. Because it's huge. It's huge. Your greatness is tied to the person or persons. For whom you must decrease, not for whom you must decrease for. I, that's it. I mean, so you can remove the the um, last four. I, I was not sure if I should put the four in front or behind. So there are two fours there that one needs to be out. Your greatness is tied to the person of persons for whom you must decrease. John the Baptist's greatness was tied to Jesus. As he served Jesus' greatness, his own greatness becomes secure. 
So, by the time you get to Matthew 11, 11, the A part, this is Jesus speaking. He says, I tell you the truth. Of all who have ever lived, no one is greater than John the Baptist. Isaiah, Elijah, Moses, Adam, Noah, David, Solomon, of all that has ever lived. Jesus says, no one is greater than John the Baptist. How did he attain that greatness? I must decrease. He must increase. There are people that your job, what heaven requires of you, just sit down and intercede for other people to be successful. Okay. <laughs> One person clapping. Two people. Three, four, five. <laughs> oh, but it's not fair. Why can't I be the one? Oh, why can't listen? Listen. You can't compete with a fish in water swimming. People are crafted for different... And you need to get that. If, you, if you've done the journey, you know, we talked about the shape and try to get people's shape and all that stuff. But the bottom line is this. <sighs> Let me try and bring it this home. A company, the greatest companies on earth are those that recognize the customers they need to serve. And serve them with everything they have. They become their servants. So, so some companies will say, oh, we are not called to this, comp- this person. We are not called to this person. We are called to this. Some people, some companies, it's only the blue chip that they serve. Because they are the ones that can pay their bills. And they serve those companies. And those companies, because they serve those companies, their greatness is tied to it. There are organizations today that have potential to be great but don't have a culture of service. Service simply means I'm here to do your bidding. That's, that's what service is. Service means I'm here to be. So if you have a, a, a company, a business person, if you want to be great, if you want a company to be great, identify your customers and serve them. If they cough, okay. I heard you cough. I have cough syrup. <laughs> I, that love it sounds, oh, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to be anybody's boy. Listen, nobody's saying you should be anybody's boy. Your destiny is tied to who you serve. Who you choose to serve or who you refuse to serve. Enough said. Verse 29, like I said, it's a lot. It's like drinking from a water hydrant. I know. A lot of these things, you need to go back and sit down and, and wrestle with it. You know, sometimes, you know, you're still trying to grind something on mentally and, you know, something else gets thrown at you. I want to round up with this. 29. There's a lot more, as you can see. But, again, for purposes of our uh, objectives will stay with 29. 
29 says, He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and listens, now listen to this, and listens to him, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's what? Voice. What does that even mean? If you read NLT says the vows, that's not the vows. <laughs> it's not, it, it, this is the NRSV. The NRSV, NRSV also said the voice. The literal translations take us close at home to the original. So the pleasure, displeasure and joy of mine is now complete. Let me just tell you the story. This bridegroom's best man in the Jewish culture is called the Shoshbin. S-H-O-S-H-B-I-N. Now, the Shoshbin is the person that in those times there was the, 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 the stealing of bride is very rampant. So, the <laughs> so the, you prepare a bride, virgin, prepared on. Usually, some bandits will be locking. They just carry the bride, you know, and and go. It was very rampant. So the the shoshbin has the duty of protecting the bride. Once the bride enters the chamber, the bride chamber preparing herself for a, a groom. So, the church being stands at the door with a sword. He can have friends also that joins him in the gang. But he's responsible because he's the best man. He's like of the bride, groom. So, he has oversight over the bride. So, the bride is inside and is there. And it's at night, midnight, that the bridegroom comes. You know when Jesus gives us parable? At midnight, the bridegroom comes. They're like, why is this bridegroom coming at midnight? <laughs> you know, I've wondered. It's a cultural thing. So when the bridegroom comes at midnight, they can't see him for a distance. They ask, who goes there? Something like that. <laughs> and he says that, oh, it's me. And because the best friend knows his voice, rejoices at his voice, says, come, 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 come. Your baby's inside. <laughs> so when the bridegroom enters and locks the door, the joy of the church being is complete. It goes away rejoicing. Delivered. So when you read that scripture again, because and listens to him who stands by. Stands by where? In front of the chamber. And listens to him. Rejoices greatly of the bridegroom's voice. For this pleasure and joy of mine is now complete. I can go my way. You know, in, 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 the, in the Yoruba cultures, they are called alareno in the different contexts. You know, and they say, talk about mojaya, Yeah. So it means that when the husband enters the bridegroom, and uncovers his bride and sees his bride. I don't know. Your job has finished. Your be going. That's what it means. <laughs> okay. So we we'll draw the curtain here. I know. I know. I know. Let's put our hands together for the Lord. We have 31, 33, 34 to 36. So um, let me leave you. Let me leave this with you to 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 do your, the study. Is that okay? Can I trust you to do this study? And trust the Lord to open your eyes. 
Of course, we do that. It's waiting for you to do the study. Okay. So, commit. Today, I commit to filling that blank. You know, I don't know what it is the Lord has spoken to you that you want to commit to today. I commit to... I commit to... For some of us, is I commit to kill arrogance. I commit not to be a fool and be proud again, ever. For some people, I commit not to be jealous of any human being on earth again. Because no man can receive anything except it is given. For some of us, I commit to taking my relationship with my father seriously because every good thing comes from him. <laughs> so I better be on his good side. What are you committing to today? So you have heard the word. You have committed to act on it. Now, pass it on. Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. And let's just thank God for his kindness and his mercies. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. What have you heard today? What have you heard? We thank you for your goodness, your kindness, for your mercy. If you are here, you don't know Jesus, the bridegroom. It is my ultimate pleasure to be your shoshbin this evening and to deliver him to you. He is your bridegroom. You don't have a relationship with him. You're like, Pastor, can you pray with me? I want to start a relationship with Jesus. Yes, I want to pray with you. Oh, you're saying... I, I, I don't have a relationship with God. Same thing. I want to prove with you. Oh, you're saying, I used to have a relationship with God. Yes, I want to prove with you. I want to come back to him. You don't need to come forward wherever you are seated. In the privacy of your seat, put up your hand over your head and I'll prove with you. And God will breathe upon you wherever you are seated. If you're online, the instructions are scrolling. That is me, pastor. Pray with me. Put up your hand over your head. Now, over, over, not on, over. Shoot it up. And I'll pray. God bless you. God bless you, my brother. God bless you. Put it up. And we'll pray together. That is me. They put a the card in your hand. Once you have the card, you can put it down. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bring your people to you, Lord. We ask that you breathe upon them, Lord. Change these lives. Oh, let your name and your name be glorified. Alone be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. Honor and glory we give unto you. Every one of us, your word that we've heard today will only empower us. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.